gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Last week we mentioned that if you have a Bible at home with the words of Jesus in red letters, there are more red letters in Matthew's Gospel than any of the others. Matthew's Gospel is structured in this way. There are five great sermons or discourses in Matthew's Gospel. The Sermon on the Mount, uh, our Gospel reading for this morning, is the first of those discourses. And so you have a speech or a sermon or, or a discourse followed by the deeds of Jesus. Then you have another discourse followed by the deeds of Jesus where he's healing, casting out demons, uh, working various miracles. You have another discourse, more deeds, another discourse, more deeds. That's the structure of the book, words and deeds of Jesus. Now, that distinction is helpful as long as you keep in mind that Jesus' words are also deeds. His words do things. When Jesus tells the lame man to rise and walk, what does the lame man do? He gets up and he walks. When Jesus tells a dead little girl, little girl, I say to you, arise, what does she do? The little girl arises. She's alive again. Christ's word is so powerful that when the minister speaks Christ's words over the elements of bread and wine, the bread is still bread, the wine is still wine, but by the power of his word, the body of Christ is present in and with the bread, the blood of Christ is truly present in and with the wine. His words do things. His words create what they say. In John 15, Jesus said to his disciples, you are already clean or forgiven through the word I have spoken to you. In the same way, you are already forgiven through Christ's word of forgiveness spoken to you in your baptism, spoken to you through the mouth of the minister when he spoke the absolution earlier, spoken to you weekly in the Holy Supper of our Lord. His words create new realities. They create what they say. Now I want you to take a look at page 11 in your worship bulletin, the sermon outline. We're actually going to start on Roman numeral 1, letter A. We'll come back to Roman numeral 1 in a moment. But letter A on page 11, under Roman numeral 1, you, Jesus says, are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Now that word, that pronoun you, is emphasized. It's used twice, actually, in the first sentence. The, the verb are, the verb to be, are, that's a second person verb. It means you all. But in addition to that, Jesus takes the personal pronoun humes in the Greek, and he tacks it on to the very beginning. So you, you are the salt of the earth. It's not the Torah that's the salt of the earth. It's not the temple in Jerusalem. It's not the Pharisees. It's not Israel as a whole that is the salt of the earth. 
it is the church. You all is the meaning, it's plural. In the King James, it's ye are the salt of the earth. That's plural form of the verb to be, second person, plural. You all are, the church together is the salt of the earth. Now individually, you are as well, but he's speaking to the group. He's speaking to the group in a group sort of way. Together, this is what you are. Letter B, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Now, Jesus does not say you ought to be the salt of the earth. He doesn't say you should be the salt of the earth. He does not say you could be if you just try harder. He says you are. He's not wishing you to become salt. He's declaring you to be salt. His words do what they say. He's stating a fact about you and your identity. We sang in the hymn just a moment ago, thy strong word bespeaks us righteous. That's justification in the sight of God. He calls you forgiven. He calls you righteous. That's the heart of the gospel. And that's what you are. You may not always look righteous. I certainly don't always look righteous or speak righteously. But in the eyes of God, that's what I am by his word, and so are you. Letter C. You are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. We are not simply one kind of salt among many others. We're not one variety of light, and there's many other sorts of light. Only Christians are salt and light. The church alone is salt and light. No other group, no other organization is. We alone, through our connection to Jesus Christ, can do for the world what it needs. It needs to be salted. God has no plan B if the church fails in its mission to be salt and light. It's us or nothing. Now, Roman number one, that means you, you all together, and I would say you individually, are irreplaceable. You are irreplaceable. There is no alternative to the church for salting and lighting the world. So Jesus has a very high view of the church, does he not? Now, the world does not have a high view of the church, and some who call themselves Christians do not have a high view of the church either. That's why they don't attend. But Jesus does. Jesus views us as indispensable to those around us. And I often have said, and I, I like to say this, it's a good thing we're here. And I mean it. We are needed now more than ever because the, the world is not only evil and corrupt, it is deficient. The world needs to be salted. People need to be called to repent and to believe the good news that in Christ they've already been forgiven. The world needs us because the world needs the Jesus to whom we are connected. Last week, we looked at the Beatitudes. There's nine of them in all. 
They are nine statements of fact. They're not commands. They are statements of fact about our privileged status in Christ. Letter D. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. These are the 10th and the 11th consecutive statements of fact spoken by Jesus to us. He considers us as the most significant people on the planet because we are salt and light not for ourselves alone. We are salt and light for the sake of others. Point number one, salt exists for the sake of food and disciples exist for the sake of the world. Jesus said, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. We follow up the baptism with the teaching. Everything I've commanded you, he said. So the purpose of salt is to penetrate food. And the purpose of light is to penetrate the darkness. And if belonging to Jesus is the greatest blessing of all, I think the second greatest blessing is to be useful to others because we belong to Jesus. And that brings us to point two. After loyalty to Jesus, the disciples' greatest desire is to be used by Jesus to help others. To help others. And when we help others, we're being used by the Lord to do so. St. Paul writes, For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And then he comes to this in verse 10 of Ephesians 2. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, we're not saved by our works. We've been saved for good works, which God has prepared in advance. Performing those good works, being a faithful and loving husband, being an involved parent, being a respectful and obedient child, visiting shut-ins, preparing a meal for someone, being of service to others in a variety of ways, these simple works are what God created us for. And I love the way Mother Teresa put it. She said, don't do great things. Don't aspire to great things. She said, do small things with great love. My friends, nothing on earth is more satisfying or fulfilling than those small things done with great love. Christ has called us to be useful. He's made us useful to others in this way. But, Roman numeral two, you and I can become useless. We can. We can become useless. The scripture says, let every man who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Letter A, we can become tasteless salt. Jesus said in verse 13, but if salt has lost its taste or its tang, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and to be trampled under people's feet. 
Point number one, we are not challenged to become, but to remain salty. We've been made salty by the word of the Lord. We're called to remain such. We're already salty by his word. We cannot become salt, but we can unbecome salt by our own doing. And point number two, don't let the world dilute your effectiveness. Don't let it dilute your effectiveness. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. When we listen to the world and not to the word, we lose our tang, our saltiness, our distinctiveness, and we place ourselves back under the condemnation of God. God did not do that. We do that to ourselves when we neglect to follow him. Letter B, we can become invisible light, light under a bushel, light that is hidden, is light that's no longer visible. And Jesus asks, what good is it? Roman numeral three, your purpose is to glorify God. He gives you your purpose. Letter A, the glory of God is the goal of the church. Jesus said in John 15, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And letter B, God's glory is made visible through human flesh. Through human flesh. In this fallen world, his glory can be made visible only through human flesh. And I'm speaking of the flesh of Christ. We read in John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father. You see, in John's gospel, God is glorified through the cross. The flesh of Christ hanging on the cross reveals the depth of God's love for you and for all people. God is glorified through the flesh of his Son, which he distributes in the bread and wine of Holy Communion. God is glorified through the flesh of Jesus. He saves the world through the flesh of Jesus. But God is glorified through your own flesh as well. St. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man commits is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you're not your own, for you were bought with a prize. Therefore, glorify God in your body, in your flesh. You see, God elevates your body, your flesh, as the vehicle to glorify himself. Well, other religions tell you what you ought to be, what you're supposed to become. Jesus simply tells you what you already are. Jesus tells us who we are before he tells us what to do. 
He blesses us before he commands us. He elevates us before he challenges us. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Because he said so, and because you're connected to him, there is no other salt. There is no other light. There is no substitute for you. There is no plan B. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.